Are you well? Happy New Year, everybody. It's great to be with you. Before I get going, I'd actually like to invite you, in, introduce you, sorry, to some, some friends, some old friends and some new friends. A very, very new friend I'd like to introduce you is Marjan here. Can we just say, give a welcome to Marjan? She's come all the way from Iran because she's heard about Trinity Church London <laughs> and she wanted to be with us. So uh, it's great. But I just moved to North London and uh, joining the Central Community Group, which actually is the best community group at Trinity Church London. Um, just to clarify things there for you. Um, but also, uh, I'd like to introduce you to Sophia and Erica right at the back here, all the way from Chile. And these are some old friends of ours. And uh, Sophia is hoping to study here next year and is getting some English qualifications. Anyway, it's very exciting to have you guys with us. And we've got Chinese friends with us as well. It's very nice to have you with us. And Judy, is it? Judy, yeah, from Leeds. So we both studied at the same university, so that's good. But it's amazing. I mean, look, we're a small church plant just getting going. And Brazil, and we've got Denise, yeah, we've got uh, Denise and Alistair also from Brazil. So we've got the nations gathering with us. And I just felt like we were praying um, beforehand and just felt like this Sunday, the first Sunday, you never know quite what you expect to come together again at the beginning of the year. But here we have the nations gathering to us. I feel almost like God is giving us a foretaste of what he is going to be doing increasingly down the line in gathering people from every tribe, every nation, every language to himself in one place to demonstrate his wisdom to the city of London. Don't you believe that? God's given us promises and this is one of the things we want to walk in together as a church. Um, so anyway, welcome to you guys. It's great to have you with us. If you're a Trinity old timer, which we can say now because we're like four months old, we're very, very mature as a church. It's great to have you as well and turn with me to John chapter 15. Um, who has who, who's who's got a New Year's resolution that they? Anyone? Any New Year's resolutions? No. They seem to be going out of fashion. Is that right? No. Jackie's got one. Can you tell us, Jackie? Oh gosh, yeah. No. Oh, you can. Yeah, I can. Yeah. Okay. I'm I'm wanting to read through the Bible in a systematic way. Okay. This year, and I've started. So Great. Don't ask me in three months' time again. No, no. Everyone ask Jackie how her Bible reading of the year is going. Yeah, Esther. Okay, that's good. Okay. Amazing. I'm sure you've got others as well. I don't know how you feel at the beginning of the year, but this is how this is how I almost always feel coming into January the first, second, third, fourth, etc. I have basically two emotions. I don't know how you feel, but I have two. Firstly, I feel super excited because it's that it's that blank canvas feeling, isn't it? It's the new school textbook feeling. It's like there's a whole new year ahead of us. All the stresses and the strains of 2018 have gone and you're looking forward to this whole new horizon and what could God do? That's one emotion that I have. And the other emotion I have is, oh my goodness, I have a whole other year to get through. 
because it feels like 2019 just sits there and it happens every year for me I know it this I think it's a couple of days of like there's this whole year that seems like it sits in front of you it's got all these jobs and things to do and things to get through and things to achieve and think you things you hope for and desires and dreams and it kind of just sits in front and your body is still like waking up from the Christmas lull and eating too many Brussels sprouts and all of that stuff and your mind is kind of beginning to engage in the future but your body is still catching up and I have these moments of like oh my goodness like can I do this am I up for this am I am I ready for this do I emotionally feel ready for this you know if my brain gets there then my body slowly gets there then my emotions catch up with it but I go through these waves of like man and when it comes to church, I mean, this is, this is a really big year for us as a church. It's our first full year as a church plant. Launch stage is over. We are up and running. Now we are really in the business of being church in central London. What does that mean for us? How are we going to do it? How are we going to build community? We have so many things we want to do. Build our web presence. We want to financially break even, which would be amazing because... The venue is not free, unfortunately, unless anyone's got a friend in the double tree. Be really helpful. We want to reach out into London. We want to see the glory of God known. And we all have dreams in this place, don't we, about what could God do with us as a church community? How could God demonstrate his glory across nine million people? There are so many ways in which he could do that. And I have these moments at the beginning of a year like this of thinking, oh, man. <laughs> How, how am I going to get through this and not just burn out by February? I don't know if anyone's connected with me. You're looking at me like I need help. I don't know. I'm, 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 I'm hoping I'm not the only one here that feels slightly like this sometimes. But I know here's my temptation. I, I start creating like mental to-do lists. Well, in that, 2019 is a big year, right? Well, I've got, to, I've got to be a better Christian in that case. I've got to pray better. I've got to wake up earlier. I've got to go to bed earlier. I've got to watch less TV. I've got to pray more. I've got to be more holy. I've got to get sharper strategically. I've got to read more books. I've got to find out what other people are doing in the city. To How can we learn? And I start creating these little to-do lists of things I've got to achieve so that we can get through and accomplish everything that we want to for myself and for us as a church. I start getting into to-do mode. Who knows who Casey Neistat is? Does anyone know Casey Neistat? No, yes. If, if basically, if you're under 30, you've probably heard of him. If you're over 30, you probably haven't. Why I know about him, I don't know. I've got too much time on my hands. But anyway, he's this YouTuber. He's got 10 million subscribers to his YouTube channel. And he put out this 30-second video recently. And this was, this was the quote. And this is basically sums up the city of London and also New York. And this is what it says. He lives in New York. He says, life is like going the wrong way on a moving sidewalk stroke pavement for us English people. Walk and you stay put. Stand still and you go backwards. To get ahead, you have to hustle. And the final image of this video is of him running the wrong way up this moving sidewalk, basically representing what it feels like if you want to get ahead you need to work hard for our american friends you need to hustle you need to work you need to do extra hours you need to wake up early you need to do more than the next person if you are going to get ahead and achieve your goals and doesn't that seep into our bones sometimes even in our relationship with god we feel like i want to press on with god what do i need to do I need to get on, I need to strive, I need to work, I need to do more, I need to wake up. You create these to-do lists of stuff I need to nail if I'm going to get a good relationship with God this year. 
It's in our bones. And sometimes we feel it like we want God to be pleased with us. Therefore, what have I got to do? I've got to do Bible reading. That will make him happy. I've got to pray. I've got to make it to church. All these things so that God will be pleased and I'll get his favour and I will achieve the kind of things that I want to achieve. And yet the way of Jesus is so utterly different. The way of Jesus is not about trying to hustle your way up a moving sidewalk that's going against you. Jesus speaks these words in John 15, abide in me. He never says, right, here are the things you need to crack on and do. If you want to make 2019 a success, Trinity Church London, you need to smash this, you need to crush your goals, you need to go for this, you need to achieve, you need to make it here. This is what he says in John 15. I'm going to read the first few verses up to verse 8. He says, I am the true vine, and my father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. Already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. And he says these words, abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers. And the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire and burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. By this, my father is glorified that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples i'm going to stop there and this is what i want to go today and next week we're going to talk about trinity church as as a corporate entity us as a body we're talking about vision what we believe god is calling us into stuff we know some things we don't know today i want to talk to you as individuals and i want to talk to my own heart as individuals because trinity church london <laughs> Is not something separate from who you are. Does that make sense? Yeah. Trinity Church London does not exist as a separate entity from you and me. We are Trinity Church London. So if Trinity Church London is going to bear fruit this year, it is only going to be because you are bearing fruit. If Trinity Church London is going to bear fruit this year, it's only been because I am bearing fruit. There is no fruit bearing. There is no, nothing we are going to achieve as a church outside of you and me bearing fruit personally. Which is a sobering thought. It is for me. I think of the centre of this church and I think, wow, like my relationship with God has a direct relationship on the fruit bearing of this church your relationship with God has a direct relationship on how we are going to bear fruit as a church Trinity Church doesn't exist as a thing out there like oh how is the, the church doing because wherever you go tomorrow Trinity Church London goes and however you walk with Jesus so we walk with Jesus you represent Jesus to London in 2019 so we have to, before we start thinking about what is happening kind of corp at a corporate level, we have to think about what is my walk with God like? 
How is my walk with God growing, developing? And I want to say these words to us. How am I abiding in him? Because this is going to be the key to our success this year. Not great strategies, not a great website, not a great venue, not all the stuff that we're going to work hard on this year. It is going to be about whether we can abide in God this year. These are amazing verses and I've been so enriched by them. I mean, Jesus, we don't know exactly the moment where and when he said this. We know he is at this point, it's Thursday night, he has left the upper room at this point. He has walked outside and probably what has happened is that he's walked through Jerusalem, through the city. He has noticed the temple, which you can't not notice if you're in that day and age. It loomed large over the whole of Jerusalem. You couldn't not notice the temple. But as they would have walked past the temple, they may have caught a glimpse of the entrance to the temple, which would have had a large vine across it, representing the fact that Israel identified as a vine and as God as the gardener. In Isaiah 5.17, God speaks about Israel, his vine. And in Psalm 80, when Israel are in a, a place when they are not doing well spiritually, morally, impact-wise, they are not doing well. We read these, this prayer in Psalm 80, where the psalmist, when an Israelite says, Why have you broken down its walls so that, you will, so that all who pass by pick its grapes? Talking about Israel as a vine, people could just come up and just pick us apart. Boars from the forest ravage it and insects from the fields feed on it. And he prays, return to us, God Almighty. Look down from heaven and see. Watch over this vine. The root of your right hand has planted the branch you have raised up for yourself. And probably Jesus at this point saw this imagery of the vine, knowing that the the, the Jewish um, uh, mindset was full of this imagery of the vine. And he says, I need to tell you about this vine because the true vine is not actually the people of Israel. It's in me. I, I am the true vine. Because they had this understanding that, oh, I'm part of the, the people of Israel. Therefore, I'm going to leave a legacy. I'm going to bear fruit. I'm going to walk with God in fruitful ways. But that was not the way in which God, intend, God intended that you would walk with God and therefore you would bear fruit. And he says, I'm the true vine. Don't just think about being part of this family, the Hebrew family. Think about being part of me and dwell in me and then you will bear fruit. And the image here that we have, this word here, I think in the the NIV it says remain, abide or remain, is this word that very simply means about living in a place, dwelling. In the New Testament, so many times it's used about someone just dwelling, living in in a house for a certain period of time. Jesus sent the disciples on mission and he says dwell or remain, abide in one house when you get there. The same word, so it's a very practical word about living in a particular place just dwell there and Jesus says you need to dwell not just in physical places but you need to dwell in in me in in my love in my power in my will in all that I am so that we're to live in this house as it were called the person of Jesus his works his love and enjoy him and live in that place so that the will of Jesus becomes our will so that the ambitions of Jesus become our ambitions so that the love of Jesus soaks into our being such that Jesus loves become our love for our friends and our neighbors and our colleagues everything that Jesus is and has becomes ours when we dwell in his person and Jesus says remain 
in me. This is going to be the key to our 2019. And some people, if you're like a type A kind of achiever, you're thinking, huh, I never thought about that one. And you've already added it to your like, to-do list of 2019. Here's a, I never like, lose weight, that's a good one. Eat more greens, yep. Uh, yeah, abide in Christ. I'm going to nail abiding in Christ this year. But the thing is with abiding in Christ and what Jesus is talking about here is that it's almost an anti-to-do to-do thing. It's like, this is something that you don't actually actively do, if you've noticed. You don't like walk past a Christmas tree and look at a branch and hope desperately that it's going to abide in the root of the tree because it just does. It stays. It remains. I realised recently, um, much to my own giggling, it amused me anyway, (laughs) that I've been saying this really bizarre thing to Micah and Kiki. So sometimes I take them out and I go shopping with them and I get Tori a break and we go to Tesco's or something or we do a job together and I take them out of the house and I get them in the back of the car and they've got these big car seats and these um, seat belts that kind of go across every part body part you can possibly think of and they are so difficult to put in but when when micah when we put micah in the thing he makes this funny like, grimace when we put him in because he's watched toria try to get the clips on they're so hard and toria looks like she's trying to bench press 800 pounds and so every time micah just thinks what to put these clips on you have to go because toria's like trying to close these things up Anyway, it does, and, and, and they're just, they're utterly in. And I realise there are times when I like get them in, I've done the shopping, and I've got to take the trolley back or something. And I, and I say without thinking, right, wait here, kids. And, and I go. And I, I did this for probably like six, seven months. And I walked out and I said, right, wait here for a moment. And I, I, I heard, they must have been looking at each other because they can hardly move their heads. They're like... They're like looking at each other like, what does he mean? Wait here. We can hardly move an arm. And I was like, oh my goodness. Like, what, why, why do I feel the need? Like having secured them in like these utterly secure straps to then say, like, wait here. Like it's my fatherly, like just don't move a muscle. Don't. I now just say it to them just to like play with their heads. I'm like, right, wait here, folks. Don't move. And, uh, but, but there's a sense which they have to remain and then I'm saying, like, okay, now remain. Once you're in Christ, you, you are bound up in him. You are secure in him. You are found, born again. He loves you and he loves you and he loves you. And when you fail, he loves you and he loves you. And yet he wants to say, remain in this place. Because when you choose to remain, to abide, to stay where you already belong and enjoy the inheritance and the blessing and the love and the power that can course through your life because of Jesus, you will bear fruit in that place. This is not a to-do thing. This is a resting in what God has already done. Amen. Jesus says this in Matthew. He says, come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. And he calls us to come and partake in this divine nature of his. This whole, these chapters 14 to 17 make up what some kind of commentators call the farewell discourse. Basically, Jesus' last words to the disciples before they um, have their Messiah crucified and then him raised again and their whole life turns upside down. But the backdrop to these four chapters is this amazing teaching of Jesus, of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, where Jesus talks about his relationship with the Father and of the Son. 
And he continually speaks about the father being in the son and the son being in the father. Like really bizarre, deep, intimate, crazy, like just totally woven together, unified language. That the spirit dwells in Jesus and Jesus in the spirit and the spirit in the father. And then we're told that to be a Christian means you get caught up in this Trinitarian relationship of unity. So that you now become part of the father and the son and the Holy Spirit. Through the son, you are now in the father and you are in the son and you are in the Holy Spirit. And the father we're told is in you. Through Jesus and Jesus is in you and the Holy Spirit is in you. So the Father, Son and Holy Spirit have this relationship where they're three distinct beings yet love one another so closely they can be said to be in one another. And we are monotheists in the sense that we have one God and yet he is Father and he is Son and he is Holy Spirit unified. And we are called to live with that same unity with Jesus So that you begin to live in Jesus in such a way that wherever you go, Jesus goes. And this isn't like hyperbolic preacher language. This is wherever you are when you are in Jesus, you become the face and the presence and the hands and the conversation of Jesus to London. Because you are in him totally united. So when you see the Father and the Son relating as one, that is the same relationship that we can have with Jesus himself. And he says, you come now and abide in me, rest in me, come and find all of the goodness that is in my life. Because in doing so, you're going to bear fruit. And I think just as an aside, it's a massive thing for us in London because London is... It's one of the most exciting places to live and it can be one of the most painfully lonely places to be because there's so many people, especially if you're a young person and you come into London and you think there's all these things going on, it can feel lonely sometimes. And there was this desire in us, isn't there, to settle down, this kind of like, we talk about putting roots down even, this kind of vine language. I want to put some roots down somewhere and it normally means I want to find a family, I want to have a home that I can call mine, I want want an area that I know, we want to know somewhere. But what we are told here is that in God we can settle down in our spirits so that all that restlessness and that striving to please God, to achieve, to whatever it might be, we can settle that by finding a home in God. So that wherever we are, we might feel displaced. We might feel like we're not at home in this world. But wherever we are, our souls find a home in God. And when we do, we're told we bear fruit. He says these words. He says in verse 4, Abide in me and I in you. And as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. And this fruit is probably, it's not a specific few things. It's probably everything that it means to be a Christian. So that wherever you walk, you begin to like, just naturally, fruit comes off your life. And you don't have to strain at it. You ever, have you ever tried to strain at like, being a Christian and trying to be good and trying to share Jesus with others? Have you ever tried that? It's so hard. And it lasts for about 48 hours in my experience. And you're like, oh, I can't do that. I'll try something else. And you don't tell a branch, like, you bear fruit. You never see a branch, like, working away to, like, <clears throat> trying, to, trying to make some kind of fruit. A, a, a branch just, like, sits there. It receives the life of the, the plant, and it naturally creates 
fruit and it falls off and it creates and it falls off and it creates and it falls off and as the Christian's life that as we abide in Jesus we walk around and we, we suddenly find ourselves bearing fruit I, I've just conversations prayers a love that we had for a person we didn't have before we think I, I just want to pray God's almighty blessing on their life suddenly you find yourself bearing fruit the one thing that he does say in this in this chapter here is he talks about prayer he says here in verse 7, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish. Just let that soak in for a moment. Whatever you wish, Cindy. Ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. Imagine that. I mean, it's like every kid's dream, isn't it? Like the three wishes from the genie. Like anything you wish and I'm going to give it to you. Jesus says, if you abide in me, you can ask anything you like and I'm going to do it for you. It's going to be done in my name. I mean, it, it's, it's difficult to get your head around. But what it's saying is when you, when you become part of my life, when you, when you enter into my being and my love becomes your love and my will becomes your will and my priorities become your priorities, when you enter into my life so much so that you will pray just like me and Jesus always, always prays in line with the Father's will and everything is done for Jesus. So when you get and pray in Jesus' name, that little phrase at the end of your prayer is not just like a tack on thing, like, I don't quite know how to end my prayer right now. In Jesus' name, amen. In Jesus' name means I am doing this because I am abiding in you, Jesus, right now, and I want you to bear fruit to the glory of the Father. Just, just imagine it for a moment in prayer that everything you ask for will be done. The Father's like, oh gosh, you know. Cindy's praying. He sends Gabriel down. Like, Gabriel, Cindy's on her knees. Go listen to everything she's praying for. Take notes and make sure it's done before Tuesday. Imagine that kind of power in the heavenly realm. Chris is getting down on his knees to pray. Sends an angel down. Like, listen, because what Chris asks for, we're going to get done in Jesus' name. And you have that authority if you are a Christian. You already abide in him. And when you pray... Not just tacking it on, but when you soak in the person of Jesus, your prayers will be answered in his name. So let me ask you, what are you praying for in 2019? Because prayer, it seems to Jesus, is almost like the apex of the fruit of a Christian life. If you really want to know how your Christian life is getting on, look at your prayer life. It seems like this is why Jesus picks out prayer as the one thing, because it kind of summates everything else that we are about. It's a bedrock from which everything else can grow. So he's, what, what are you praying for? What, what is it that 2019 you are wrestling with God in prayer saying, Lord, I want this to be done? I mean, your son, and you listen to your son, Father, so please, would you do this? And the reason being that the Father would be glorified. He says, verse 8, by this, my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. I come to someone who's praying in the prayer meeting just before we gathered. And they were, um, I think it was Cindy who read something out about God is not glorified by small ambitions. And the thing I love about Trinity Church London is this church pulsates with ambition for the gospel and faith. This, we're, we're, we're like in the middle of eight, nine million people and yet we are so full of faith and ambition. What God will you do? And big ambition and big prayers glorify God. Did you know that? Yeah. Big prayer, big ambitions glorify God. And we need to dream big and we want to bear fruit, don't we? So that God will be glorified. So that 
people will stand up and notice that the church is alive because Jesus is alive and there is a God who loves this city and has a great plan for this city and who is infinitely glorious and beautiful and will break into your life if you grant him the privilege. You're going to be glorified. So what are you praying for this year? For your own life, what are you praying for? Don't have to, like, just keep it in your head for the moment unless you're really, like, extrovert and you just have to tell me. <laughs> but we need to be praying big prayers as we abide in Jesus. And what I want to do in these closing moments is really just talk about how we might do this. And it's very simple, it's very practical. You probably have heard it before, but I want to lay a, a, a groundwork for your personal walk with Jesus so that you may abide in him. Because it, it, here's, here's a fear that I have. And I don't know if it resonates with you. I, I fear that I might be like one of these branches. Um, I don't know whether it's founded or not, but it's something I, I don't want to live in. This, this place where I thought I was trying and I thought I was working hard. And I did lots of stuff. And I woke up early and I did the things and I got through the year and blah, blah, blah. And yet I wasn't actually abiding in Christ and therefore bearing spiritual fruit. Had that anyone crossed your mind? You think, I'm working so hard here and I'm feeling tired. Am I actually bearing fruit? Can I look back at my last year or even last five? And we're not talking about doing stuff like launching a church community like Am I, am, I, am I bearing fruit in my life? Are my neighbours finding out about Christ because of me? Those kind of questions. I, I, I want to bear fruit, don't you? And I want to press into this. I want to press into Jesus. I want to just lay out some frameworks for you. Firstly, if we're going to abide in Christ, it's going to mean abiding in his word. Because he says in verse 7, he says these words, he says, um, If you abide in me and my words abide in you. If you abide in me and my words, so he's got this mutual thing, you in me and I in you, my words in you. And if you matter that with verse 4, when he says abide in me and I in you. So the I in you, the Jesus in you and the word of Jesus or the words of Jesus in you are synonymous in Jesus' mind. So if you want the person of Jesus in your life, it is going to involve the written word of God in your life. Does that make sense? And if, if, if you want Jesus, you need his yeah. words. There is no rela- relationship with Jesus that exists with a closed Bible. If you want to know Jesus, it is going to mean an open Bible. And the more the Bible is open, the more Jesus will be known. And it's not just getting through a Bible plan, as good as those are. It's not just getting through a Bible plan. It's having the words that you are reading get into you. Because when the words get into your own heart and into your own mind, they start to resonate and change you and transform you. And the life of Christ is built out in you and your mind is transformed. And I want to encourage you, if you've never ever memorised scripture, I want to ask you if you would make 2019 a year when you would memorise Scripture. I want to be honest, my, I used to memorise a lot more scripture than I did when Micah came along and then Kiki. And we, I kind of feel like we're getting through a phase now, like they're two, four and two, five, five and two. I'm a, I'm a good dad, I promise they're five and two. And it feels like things are like easing down a little bit. 
And one of the things I'm thinking, okay, I need to get back and start memorizing scripture again. I used to be diligent at it. And I, I need God's word in my life. Because I know there is power when the words of Jesus live within me. Because what happens is when you, just phrases, sentences, verses, it doesn't have to be a lot, but you log ammunition, power in your mind, so that as you're going about your day, the life of Jesus can abide in you, and suddenly the Holy Spirit has something to work with, and coordinates, and uses that, and reminds you, and suddenly you have fresh faith, fresh boldness, fresh eyes to see a situation in a way you would not have done if you didn't have that word memorised deep down in your heart. So make 2019 a year of memorising scripture because in that way you can then abide in him. If you want to know who I am, the only real way is for me to explain, you know, conversations, chats, lunches, and you just get to know like a person through what they're saying. And it's the same with Jesus. If you want to abide in him, you just got to know what he's saying, who he is, how, what, what, what's his tone, what's his language, what does he talk about, what are the priorities in his life? You've got to listen to Jesus and that happens through his words. So let me encourage you to be a, a people of this, this book. I love it. Joe walked in this morning with a Bible in hand, like literally in hand. It wasn't even like I'm sticking it in my pocket. Like I'm walking down the street with my Bible in hand. And I love that because it's like, this is important. This book matters. This is what my life is founded upon. And I'm going to absorb every sentence of this book, if humanly possible, into my innermost being so that I will bear fruit for God. That is what we want, don't we? So make this the center of your life as you go into 2019. And then the second thing is this, super simple, it's simply prayer. He talks about it in verse 7, we've already talked about this, but if you are going to absorb the words of this book, it is going to um, revolve around you also then talking back to God. So the scriptures are God talking to you, and then it is you then in prayer talking back to God and having a conversation. The Father is in the Son, remember, and the Son is in the Father. There is this backwards and forwards relationship, which means that they are united as one. If you want to be united as one with Jesus, it's going to be Jesus speaking to you, and then you speaking to Jesus back to him. And this, I think, for me anyway, I'm just going to throw it out there as like an extra helpful tip I don't know whether it's helpful for you but I used to kind of approach my time with God in the morning like this I'd have my like plan what I was going to read and I'd read the stuff in the Bible and then close it up and then get to my prayer and I would kind of like separate the two bits out that makes sense I like do my Bible reading bit and now I'm going to do my prayer bit and I struggled, if I'm honest, like, I, okay, I got through the Bible reading, but that was fine. And then when I got to praying, I would like start off and then like about 40 seconds in, I'd already prayed through 15 things. And then I didn't, I got through all the things and all the people I could think to pray for. And then my energy ran out. And by two minutes in, I was like, I guess I'm done then. Okay, on with my day. But what I'd missed is that the word here in the Bible actually gives us fuel for our prayers. So what I've started doing now is as I read through whatever I'm reading through, I just use it as fuel for my prayer. So I read something that stirs my heart. I don't just journal it. I pray it back to God. I've just been reading the Beatitudes. We're in January at the moment, so I'm right up to speed. Don't ask me in February, but at the moment, I'm bang up to speed with my, my Bible reading plan. And in the Beatitudes, blessed are those who mourn. It's like, Lord, it's like, 
mourning? When, when have I last like really mourned over my sin or over someone's spiritual state? Or when is that? And so I just start praying that back to God. And I ask God to build that into my life. So there's this backwards and this forwards. And you carry on. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Lord, am I poor in spirit? Or have I become haughty? Where, oh, Lord, build this into my life, I pray. And so in this way, we talk with God and God talks to us. And we grow this growing intimacy. So, so much so that by the time you get to work, you're one with Jesus. And when people say hi to you, they're saying hi to Jesus. And Jesus just drips off you because you're abiding in him. So prayer. And just to say this, we're going to fast this year. You up for that? Yeah. You up for fasting? It's not something we talk about too much in England, probably to our detriment in the church. It's a powerful tool because Jesus talks about it in the same breath as prayer. He says, when you pray, oh, and by the way, when you fast, this is how you're to do it. It's kind of just bread and butter Christianity. So every month, yeah, to really mix things up. It's water and air, Christianity. That's what we're going for. Water and air. It's going to appeal to everybody. Um, but that, that, that's what Jesus expects if you're going to follow me. Because what fasting does, it awakens your soul to the fact that all you need in this life is actually Jesus. And you use your body to communicate to your soul through a day of hunger that I need Jesus and I don't need the things of this world. It reorientates our hearts. It fixes our eyes on Jesus. It gives us a clarity. It gives us space and time to dwell on the things above. And in that way, we have power. There is this moment where the disciples, they come down. They're, um, they're in um, uh, Luke 9, I think it is. Um, you look, have to look it up later. But the, the, the disciples are trying to cast out a demon from a young girl. And they are praying and they are praying and they are praying. And Jesus comes down with the three, Peter, James and John, from his transfiguration. And he encounters this frustration in the disciples. Sometimes like, we have frustrations in church and these disciples are encountering this frustration. We've got this thing. We just can't seem to get this spirit out of this girl. And she, it's causing her harm. And they come to you, what should we do? And Jesus says... This can only come out through prayer and fasting. Because there is a special kind of power that gets given as we abide in Christ through prayer and through fasting. That only can come that way. So we're going to fast this year. And I encourage you, if you've not done it before, think about it. Join us. I think it's on the 16th this month. We're going to do our first day of fasting. We're going to pray together that we may abide in Christ, that he may bear fruit through us. Does that make sense? And lastly... If you're going to abide in Christ, it means abiding in church. You cannot separate Jesus from his church. You know that? You can try, and some do. Like, well, I've got Premier Christian Radio, I've got God TV, I've got YouTube now. There's amazing preachers so I can just listen to any time of day or night. Why would I need to get on a train and come to church when I can just do it all from home? Because... God's very body is found in us, in the local church. When Saul, who was persecuting the church in Acts 9, is on his way to Damascus, to basically, he was a terrorist at that point, trying to shut down what he thought was a blasphemy, this, this rumour of a resurrected Messiah. When he tried to shut down this church, he was met by none other than the one he was uh, trying to shut down rumours of, Jesus himself, on the road to Damascus. And Jesus comes to him, and what does he say? He doesn't say, Paul, why are you persecuting the church? It doesn't even say, Paul, why are you persecuting my church? He says, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Notice that, why are you persecuting me? 
Because Jesus so identifies with the church because him and the church are one. We're told that Christ is the head and we are the body. I I would not appreciate you trying to separate my head from my body because I'm not going to last very long. Jesus and his body are united as one. Christ in heaven and the body us on earth. So what is the most practical way that you can abide in Christ? It is by simply abiding in the body of Christ. Right now, exactly what you're doing. Choosing to rest in Jesus. And it's, it's, it's one of my worries, to be honest, in this age that it seems to be growing in distractions. That there are so many things to do, all of which are good, that we can get so distracted that we get called away from abiding in Christ through abiding in the local community that we've been called to, that we've, we feel like, why do I not feel close to Jesus? And you look back at your diary and you're like, I've only been to like, one in eight Sundays or whatever it might be to abide with my brothers and sisters who are the body of Christ. Do you know we are the body of Christ? You look around like, we, we are it. Yes. <laughs> I am it. Andrew is it. We are the hope of the world because we are the body of Christ. And if you are going to abide in him, it's going to mean giving yourself to the local church. And if that's Trinity Church London, it means giving yourself to us and us to you. And I know like community groups, Wednesday, Thursday night, whenever it gets to about seven o'clock, you're exhausted, the day's been long, the temptation in those moments just to like, like the sofa is feeling really comfy right now. I know those moments, but for us to abide, there are choices to make so that we can abide in friendship with one another and therefore bear fruit. Let me close with one story of Hudson Taylor. Heard of Hudson Taylor? He was one man who struggled with his ordinariness. There was a struggle with that, his normalness. Because you read great biographies of other people, you think, yeah, but I feel so normal. I feel so normal. How can I do great things for God? Hudson Taylor, as a young man, committed his life on the beach in Brighton to take the gospel to China. And at that point, he had no idea how it was going to work. But a, a while later, a season after sharing what he was going to do, he, him and his wife, and I think some children, and 16 others, got on a boat to go to China to share the good news of Jesus with the Chinese. And they travelled for five months to get to China without a particular strategy apart from we've got to find a hearing, we've got to preach the gospel, we've got to tell the Chinese about the good news of Jesus. And he struggled for the early years of his ministry there with his own normalness, his ordinariness, feeling like there is this massive nation, how am I going to do it? And he shares this one moment where he had this breakthrough in his relationship with God, and he says this, the Spirit of God revealed to me the truth of our oneness with Jesus as I had never known it before. He said, I saw it all. I looked to Jesus and I saw, and when I saw, oh, how joy flowed. And that he had said, I will never leave thee. Not only that, but that Jesus will never leave me, but that I, I am a member of his body, of his flesh and of his bones. The vine is not the root merely, but all the root, the stem, the branches, the twigs, the leaves, the flowers and the fruit is in Jesus. Oh, the joy of seeing this truth. And from that moment, it transformed his ministry from trying to reach these millions and millions of Chinese to first of all, abiding in the person of Jesus. And one historian wrote later of Hudson Taylor, no other missionary in the 19th century since the Apostle Paul 
has had a wider vision and has carried out a more systematic plan of evangelizing a broad, broad geographical area than Hudson Taylor. And when Hudson Taylor died in his 70s, he left, at that point, an organization called the China Inland Mission, 825 missionaries living in all 18 of the Chinese provinces, 300 mission statements, 500 local Chinese workers, and they had seen over 25,000 people baptized into the name of Jesus. Isn't that amazing? And since then, and it's difficult to tell, but we know rough numbers. In the early 1900s in China, there were around 100,000 Christians. And today there's estimated about 150 million or so. There are more Christians in China worshipping in church today than there are in the entirety of Europe put together. And many of those early missionaries were there because they were mentored and lived in the wake of Hudson Taylor. Because he chose to abide in Christ. So you might think, hey, we're small. Trinity Church, London. We're bigger than Hudson Taylor in his first 16 who went out to China. We're bigger than Jesus and his first 11 disciples when he spoke to them about here about abiding in Christ. What is God going to do with us? So let me just close by asking you, what is your personal vision for 2019? Mine is to, to know God better by Christmas time. There'll be other stuff along the way, but I want to I walk with him. I want to know him because I know that's where the joy is. That's where lasting joyous and I just want to invite you even if you don't know what this is all about and you think I don't I've never heard this language of not doing stuff to be good for God but just abiding in him today is a day when you can receive from him and just say I want to abide in you Jesus probably I can't do the religious things to make you happy with me I'm just going to abide so can we pray can we do that can I just ask you to pray and the band come up just just for a few moments just think about 2019 and just let the Holy Spirit in these moments just bubble up some priorities for you what is it that you are going to be about this year and how is it that you are going to abide in Christ just take some moments to pray Holy Spirit I invite you right now to come and be with us to reprioritize our hearts for those of us who have been distracted, Lord, about things to achieve, works, promotions, mergers, problems, strains already with family, things to get done, Lord, I pray that you would flood our hearts right now with a personal vision of abiding in you in 2019. Thank you, Lord. We're going to take communion. If someone could just help me bring that table down the front. We're going to take communion as we close out our service. And we're going to take communion because it's the physical representation, thanks AJ, of us abiding in Christ and Christ abiding in us. And I love the imagery of, of us taking bread and taking wine and absorbing it into our very being. So that Jesus, represented through the bread and the wine, becomes inseparable from us and who we are. So that the bread becomes us and we become the bread. That metaphor works. We become united with him. You can't take the bread out once it's, it's in. And you are found in Christ. 
And as we close the service and as we take the bread and as we take the wine, I want us just to remember what God has done for us in Christ Jesus, who was the one who always abided in the love of the Father, even when he was being crucified. On that cross, he chose to remain in the Father, continue to trust in the Father. So much so that the body of Jesus raised to brand new life, resurrection power, fruit, that's fruit being born. And one resurrection and a few thousand years later, here we are, the fruit of that moment of Jesus abiding in in his Father. So this is what we're going to do. We're going to come down the front as a family. And um, if you're a guest with us today, we love having you here. We'd love you to join us. Please feel free. This is a public venue as well, so just watch your stuff. Bring it with you, whatever. If you're not a Christian here, we'd love you for this to be the first time you ever take communion, to say yes to Jesus. I would like to abide in Jesus. I would like to give him my sin. I would like to receive this life. That's what we're going to do. Maybe if we can take the front row out, if that's all right, Chris, and just take these away. I'm going to invite you to stand. And Darren's going to play over us. And we're going to gather around this table, if that's all right. So if you can just come out. I know it's not a very, like, English thing to do, but we're an international church now, so that's good. If you're from South America or Africa, you just bring it with you. And um, We're going to share this meal as a way of abiding in Christ together. And... Uh, choose not to do anything at the beginning of the year. Does that make sense? We're choosing to stop and just be with Jesus and to rest with him as his family and um, just have a look around, you know, like look at each other's faces. Don't be too shy. Don't look too long in each other's face. It gets awkward. Um, But this is the family that God has called us to and this is the abiding that we are going to do together. This is is where God is going to bear the fruit and I believe this is just a mustard seed this this family right now and what God is going to do Paul says for I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you that the Lord Jesus on the night when he was betrayed that very night that we've been talking about when he had given thanks he broke the bread and he says this this broken now broken body is for you do this in remembrance of me and in the same way also he took the cup and after supper saying this cup is the new covenant in my blood Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. And we're going to remember Christ this morning. So the way we're going to do this is just some people to come and grab some bread and break it and give it to somebody else. And you might want to say something. I don't, you know, if you come from an Anglican background, this is Christ's body broken for you. It's just scripture. You might want to say a prayer of blessing as well. You might want to say, this is for you, and I'm praying for a fruitful 2019 for you. This is for a breakthrough as you abide in Christ. And just share a word with someone. Um, Is that all right? So here's some bread I'm going to share with Joel. Don't watch Joel, please. You, 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 You carry on now. We're going to share this meal together. 
and we're going to abide in Christ together.